Hello and welcome to Map Bites, episode 131. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. In this episode, we're growing magic wooden mushrooms in a Swedish sauna whilst getting down with the cool kids. But first, we heard from MacBite Johnny this week and he said, MacBites is simply the best. It's true, it's better than all the rest. The guys are better than anyone anyone I've virtually ever met. No, I won't start singing. For which we're all very grateful. But Tina Turner is in my head right now. Anyway, to continue. Throughout COVID-19, not only has Marooned and After Hours been keeping me company during these strange times, but the guys at MapBytes headquarters have even found time to produce original content for the podcast. Where do they find the time? Well, there's the time saved by not going to church on a Sunday. Church is open, but we're not. Not open to mingling with anyone. Who thinks mingling is a good idea right now? And Johnny finishes by saying MacBytes has honestly been the best thing about COVID-19. And there aren't many things you can say about that. Thank you, Johnny. What a lovely comment. Yes, thank you, Johnny, for your lovely, lovely words. You know we love you guys, and it's been our absolute pleasure to share with you on a daily basis during lockdown. If you're not based in Manchester, like we and Johnny are, you might be wondering about the lockdown thing. Yes, we are still in official lockdown for the last almost three weeks and no end in sight, as the rising figures haven't changed despite the lockdown. Oh, and if you're worrying about our mortal soul with the no mass thing, don't be. I'm charged with editing and uploading the recording of Mass every week, so I do get to see it. And Mass at two times isn't half as scary as you'd think. Well, it looks like two shows in two days shocked a few of you. Graham posted in Slack. He said, two MacBytes in one week. A highly accomplished feat indeed. Albeit one which could be considered irresponsible in some quarters. I read that and I thought, what's he talking about? <laughs> But I continued. He says, as we all know, we're supposed to be flattening the curve, not promoting it and causing it to peak. The danger being, of course, is that some listeners could become overwhelmed and unable to cope. We would advise caution here, of course. Those who do make it through both sessions may find themselves strengthened when it comes to future episodes. They may be able to cope with three. To which McJim the Real replied, no, no, the end is nigh. And here with the third show in six days. Should we put a health warning on it? We better had. We also heard from Adam this week. He's been listening to my advice about signing PDF documents. He's in a similar situation, but most of the documents he gets sent are Word files. And the way he currently does it is on the Mac. The signature is saved as a JPEG, which he then inserts into the Word document, but it plays havoc with the formatting, sending things out of alignment, and he wants to know if I've got any advice and would doing it on iOS be any better. Well, I feel your pain, Adam. A couple of times I've been sent Word documents, and you can fix the formatting problem by selecting the inserted image and changing the wrap text to in front. Another thing that I've done is save the document as a PDF, signed it using PDF Expert and sent it back. But then the company returns it saying they wanted the signed document in Word format. 
Now, on iOS, if you're using the Mail app, you'd need to save the Word document somewhere like OneDrive and then open the Word app and open the document and then add your signature. But there's no insert signature option in Word, but you can use your finger or a pencil with the Word drawing tools. Or if you've got your signature as a JPEG or a PNG, you can upload it to the camera roll and insert it into the document. But like the desktop version of Word, it might mess up the layout. Again, this is fixable with the same option, change the text wrappings on the image. Once the document is signed, massive air quotes, switch back to mail, hit reply on the original mail and add the updated document as an attachment. I also tried it with Spark instead of the Mail app to see if it was any better. It wasn't. You can open a Word document directly from Spark, but it opened as a read-only copy, so I ended up doing what I did with uh, Mail. Save the document to OneDrive, open the document in Word, sign it, more massive air quotes, return back to Spark, tap reply, and insert the updated document as an attachment. So thanks, Adam, for your email but I'm sorry that I can't bring you better news. Now, just to summarise, uh, if the company really did want the signed document back as a Word document, Word for Mac and Word for Windows can open PDF files. So I'd be tempted to use the Mac to save the Word document as a PDF, sign it with PDF Expert, open it in Word and save it back as a Word document. I swear all this should be easier. Oh, it should. It's 2020 for crying out loud. It should totally be easier. Anyway, in episode 129, we talked about the Apple Watch monitoring your handwashing. And you made a comment about it being M&S handwashing. M&S, for those that don't know, is a chain of UK-based stores synonymous with luxury. Well, this week there was a report that 300 people have tested positive for COVID-19 following an outbreak at a factory in the UK, which makes, wait for it, M&S sandwiches. You couldn't make it up, could you? This isn't just COVID-19, though. It's M&S COVID-19. <laughs> And, you know, it's not the first report of COVID-19 outbreaks at food factories. It seems to be a thing. There were several outbreaks at different factories in Wales a few weeks back, and it's enough to put me off eating out forever. Thankfully, I've never eaten a pre-made sandwich. They weren't a thing before I developed a serious gluten allergy, and I certainly wouldn't touch one now. I must have been forever put off by the food in a Greg's paper bag thing which I know annoys you just as much as it annoys me. Shall we explain that one? You explain that one. In my day, when I was younger, if my mother had caught me eating in the street, she'd have dragged me back home and sat me down and given me a knife and fork. But Greg's is a UK store that sells, would you say, pastries and breads? Pastries, breads, cakes. Pies, yeah. And it's been, it's become a thing, and it's not just, the last sort of couple of years, I would say probably the last 10 years, that you see people walking around shopping centres with a pasty in a paper bag, a Greg's paper bag, eating it like a horse with a nose bag. And it does my head in. Can you imagine going into a clothes store after they've been in and mauled the goods with their pasty? <laughs> no, 
Just no. So I think I've been put off pre-made anything when I'm out because of the Greg's paper bag thing. Let me know if it annoys you as much as it annoys me. Is it a generational thing, Mike? Or or is it something else? I don't know, but should we get back to tech? The paper bags are tech, if they're Apple paper bags or M&S paper bags. Carry on. This week saw the date announced for an incoming new toy from Microsoft. The Surface Duo, a dual screen device that they are not calling a phone. But it's a device powered by Android and looks remarkably like a phone. They announced it, if you recall, last year in in October, together with the Neo. And the early announcement, because it was like, this is actually quite cool. Uh, When did you say it was released? Next year. But the early announcement was to get developers on board so they could launch it with a range of apps already there that were optimised for the feature set that it had. Well, the news is it's launching September the 10th. Isn't that a Friday? I've no idea. No. Uh, Thursday? I think it's the third. What a strange day. It's usually Tuesday. Tuesday's a good day to launch things. Now, I don't know if they've heard, but we're not going out much at the moment, Microsoft. And the last thing most folks need is a new mobile device. But if you are in the market for a dual screen phone, it might be just the thing. I actually think the dual screen real estate would actually be nice. You can use it in portrait like a book. You can use it in landscape and used in landscape. One entire screen becomes a keyboard. So it means you've got a decent sized keyboard. Am I talking myself into one? Well, you might be, but I'm not. It looks a nice device and the ability to have what is in effect an external monitor on on a tablet is a great idea, but I'm not going to be buying. I don't have the need for another mobile device. Is that Jane need. That is indeed. Because it's tantamount to want, that Mike. Just say it. Jane want. Mm. I think I, I think it's worth wondering about if this is something Apple might be pondering themselves. You know, adding it to their range. Because let's be honest, they've got every other screen size going. Do you remember when the when the iPad was one colour, one size? And all you had the only decision you had to make was how much memory you wanted and did you want cellular? Oh, life was so much more simple back then. What can I say? Hmm, maybe. No, but, prob- but probably or not. Oh, I-, I need to mention the price, don't I? <clears throat> All for only $1,399. wonder what that'll be in pounds. Should we round it up to about one and a half? It is expensive, that, isn't it? It is. I mean, you could get a fully specced iPad Pro, even a laptop for that price. Maybe need to refine that down a bit, Microsoft. Now, last week we talked about Charlie Monroe. I think it was last week, wasn't it? It was, but I can't remember which show. Because there were two. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Charlie Monroe uh, is the developer who developed um, Downey, amongst other apps. And uh, he had his certificate revoked, which meant that uh, people were unable to use the app. But he can take solace from the fact that it's not just the smaller developers that Apple are annoying. This week, they've annoyed Epic, the makers of the game Fortnite. It's been removed from the iOS App Store, and it came after a Fortnite update. I nearly said it came a fortnight after an update. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do this to me. You're just no good with games, are you? Don't call your games afterwards. No, it came after a Fortnite update that let players buy in-game currency at a lower rate if they bought direct from the maker Epic Games. 
bypassing Apple, which means, of course, Apple lose their 30% cut. Apple said Epic had taken the unfortunate step of violating the App Store guidelines. It's not going to affect us, because you all know what we think of games. Epic also announced the imminent in-game screening of a short film titled 1980 Fortnite. <laughs> there we go again. A play on George Orwell's... <laughs> you literally couldn't make this up. <laughs> a play on George Orwell's novel 1984. The novel is about a dystopian society that controls its city as citizens and tolerates no dissent, which of course... Not like Apple, you mean? <laughs> You're doing the punchline again. Of Sorry. course, that was referenced by Apple in the famous TV ad in 1984 when they styled themselves as taking on the then-dominant IBM. Epic Games directly referenced that advert in its legal complaint. They said Apple has become what it once railed against, the behemoth seeking to control markets, block competition and stifle innovation, which takes us back to the recent antitrust hearing. Do you know, I can't see the logic in Epic's stance in this. It's Apple's playground. The price of entry is 30%. Don't want to pay? Don't play. I've actually got no complaint with Apple taking a percentage per se. It's their encouragement, nay, nay, obsession with subscriptions and recurring revenue from all apps that I don't like. And obviously this has got a load of press coverage I mean, the, the, the wires were alive with it. But manoeuvres like this from Epic don't actually help. They obfuscate the real issues that are wrong with the App Store and Apple's attitude. And I'm thinking things like no official trial versions, their obsession with the subscription cult, purchased apps removed from the store, you have no comeback, copious abandoned apps just languishing in the store. Apple aren't going to be budged, so this is all a total waste of time. Anyway, as far as we're concerned, one less game in the App Store is cause for celebration. Now, if we could just get all the other games removed, we could have the update option added back to the bottom bar instead of two games icons. Finish now? No. I decided in the interest of actually sounding like I know what I'm talking about, in terms of gaming generally, and Fortnite specifically, I'd head off and do some gaming research. Gaming research? She's losing it. She lost it a while back, but gaming research is taking it to a completely new level. Apple and Epic, or the bots as gaming nomenclature refers to them, need to... Chug a jug of slurp juice to develop a better strat, as both their current strats are nerfed. The bubble is apples, but without a buffed strat, Epic is lit. I have no idea how Epic are intending to get a res without a buffed C4 clinger to their name, and Apple need to be wary of the bots bush camping on this one with a shield pop. It might actually rein Apple in from taking their 30 pot to a half pot, though. Arden. Lockdown has clearly been too much for her. Shall I call the emergency services? No. Blocking access to anything Fortnite-related should do the trick. In the meanwhile, I'll deploy her half-part and acquire some heals. Not you as well. And it's not just Epic having a pop at Apple either, is it? Oh no. Microsoft and Facebook jumped on the bandwagon. 
I know, like they're archangels. I felt this was a bit of a kick a man when he's down manoeuvre, if you ask me. Microsoft were moaning about Apple not allowing their cloud-based gaming stuff into the App Store. Now, Apple pointed out that they couldn't review or monitor the content of a cloud-based gaming service. Now, why did that matter? Well, you all know Apple's stance on protecting us all from corruption. Fair enough, I thought. Then I considered Fortnite. They had no problem with that when they were raking in 30% from the in-app purchases. I am now aware of this after my gaming research. But let me apprise you, there are 28 different categories of weapons in Fortnite. Not the water pistol emoji that replaced the gun, of course. Let me just apprise you of what is in there. Assault rifles of various descriptions, tactical shotguns, submachine guns, rocket launchers, grenade launchers, crossbows. Now, I'm presuming they're not there as ornaments. They're there for the use of. Apple didn't say a word. So I'd love to know what Apple think might be in these cloud-based games that is worse than that lot. Facebook then launched their epic moan. See what I did there. Epic moan. Just saying. Uh, Facebook introduced paid online events. It's a, a new feature of Facebook. You know how the minute there's something new, it gets shortened, Mike? Yeah. You know, like it'll be something like da -da 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 hangout and it becomes hangout. Facebook introduced paid online events. P-O-E. He looks so vacant here. No. Poe, Mike. Yes. Oh, I do. I know. <laughs> oh, do you think do you think our non-UK listeners have a clue what a gazunda is? No. There's your there's your challenge of the week. If you have no idea what a gazunda is, Google it and find out and then write and tell us. We know, obviously, but there's your challenge for the week. Oh my grandparents had a gazunda, you know. But we probably shouldn't go there. Uh uh, yes, um, this this paid online events thing. It allows small businesses in twenty countries. I'm presuming we're one of them, but I didn't I didn't bother checking to charge Facebook users to attend online classes and events. Hmm, isn't it good of them to put that in now we're in lockdown? I, th I think lockdown's been quite caused a lot of innovation, shall we say? Unless Facebook thought it was a good idea to to make money, but Apple want thirty percent. Facebook wants Apple to waive its 30% fee taken from an in-app purchase. Alternatively, Facebook suggested that Apple let them process event payments with Facebook Pay, both of which Apple has refused. The quote from Facebook was, we asked Apple to reduce its 30% App Store tax. You notice how they're very that, App Store tax to allow us to offer Facebook pay so we could absorb all costs for businesses struggling during COVID-19. Unfortunately, they dismissed both our requests and SMBs will only be paid 70% of their hard-earned revenue. Because this is complicated, as long as Facebook is waiving its fees, we will make all fees clear in our products. Hmm, OK. Pot kettle mudge. This is Facebook who encouraged creators and those with an audience onto their Facebook platform and then charged them to get eyeballs from their own audience, the audience they brought to Facebook on their content. Facebook? Really? Yeah. Not much sympathy coming from this area, is there, Mike? None whatsoever. 
And as if the Fortnite thing is bad enough, there's a new Apple store. What did you think of that? Usually cause for delight. And indeed it was. Until I actually set eyes on it. It looks like a wooden mushroom. There is a central wooden column that extends into the roof. It looks like a Swedish sauna from a 70s film of a rather adult nature, if you're with me. But while I was wide-eyed enough at the sight of that, it paled into insignificance when I spotted the staircase. Incredulous was the only word, but I thought it might just be me. It might just have been my cognitive bias, I thought. So I figured I'd send Mike the link and asked him what he thought. Increasingly confident he wouldn't see what I did. Oh, how wrong was I? He said exactly what I'd been thinking. Two of the photos in the article showed said staircase. Singly, the worst piece of design I have seen in years. Now, it's all shiny. It's all spirally. And it's all wide open under your feet. And if you're a lady like me, your first thought was, are you kidding me? It's an upskirter's paradise. Not only wide open, but reflective. Now, while I appreciate a lot of ladies wear jeans and trousers, some of us don't. I have never even owned a pair of jeans. So should I decide to visit, it seems for decency's sake, I need to either acquire a pair of trousers of some kind or blindfold everyone else. Apple, what were you thinking? Women and girls are aware of this in a heartbeat. Why aren't you? You must have been channeling your feminine side, Mike. No, it was blindingly obvious to me. So we're agreed. You guys take a look. Links in the show notes. Do let us know what you think. Luckily, said stores in Bangkok. So uh, I won't be bothered by it personally in the foreseeable future. But that's not the point. It's the principle of the matter. On what planet did any designer think that was a good idea? Can I add that to the list of questions I want to ask Timmy when he finally agrees to be interviewed by me? Yes. Which will be sometime not in his lifetime, I'm suspecting. Probably. <laughs> right, I'll add it. I'll add it. Make a note on there, Mike. I will add that to my list of questions for Timmy. Meanwhile, back in the real world... <gasps> Scanning. The bane of my life. It wasn't always that way, of course. It was fantastic. Until Elcap killed the Fujitsu scanner driver. The one that was powering my venerable Fujitsu S510M. Carbon dated by MacBytes Siri, if you will recall. It arrived at MacBytes headquarters in 2007 and was a complete joy to work with until the dreaded LCAP arrived. Now, MacByter Colin Payne reported his younger model of ScanSnap was working with LCAP. That was back in 2016 in MacBytes 106, the trolley dolly from hell. You remember that one, Mike? That was the one where they had to dismantle half the trolley crash to extricate my smiley coin. Hmm. Anyway, I digress. No joy here with my older model of scanner. It was not having it on LCAP. So I moved the scanner onto a 13-inch 2009 MacBook Pro. This was be bequeathed to me by my father. Now, it needed a hideously complex sync setup to make it work without manual interference, but eventually it did work. There were other options than the official driver, and they do still exist. One is ViewScan, 
Now, it was MacBite of Phil that suggested ViewScan back in MacBytes 118. High jinks with enterprising app bandits. Hmm, something's never changed. Now, I'd already purchased a lifetime license for ViewScan back in 2006. I'd bought it as life support for an old Epson scanner from the pre-Jurassic era. So, worth a try. After an age of doing the fiddling testing dance, I did get it working. And it would be fine for single page scans. So by installing it on my main Mac, the, the latest one that I use, all up to date. Well, up to date as far as Mojave is concerned rather than Catalina. But that's a different story. Uh, so it would allow me to use this, this, this rather senior scanner. And principally for single scans. But I needed multiple page support, though. The, the scanner we're talking about, it's a sheet fed scanner. For single pages, an iPhone or an iPad's perfectly adequate. For 100 pages of A4 double-sided content, I am not using a phone. Now, ViewScan will do multiple page scans, but the process isn't as smooth as the ScanSnap experience that I had used for nine years by this stage. So, close, but no T-shirt. Another alternative was Exact Scan. Now, supposedly that would have kept the scanner going as well. But at $99, I feared a similar experience to ViewScan when it came to multiple pages. But I haven't actually tried it. There was also the matter of investing £99. So again, close, but not the seamless experience I was looking for. So fast forward to now. This is five years after the calamity hit. And a state of the scanning union. Catalina and 64-bit requirements have now hit. The negative impact of that on the owners of a whole new range of Fujitsu scanners, way younger than mine, is dawning on them now. And many of those ScanSnap owners are now just as grumpy as I've been for the entire five years. That was when ScanSnap version 7 was released a couple of weeks ago. I got giddy for five seconds. I dived on the site read the press release, didn't support my scanner. I walked away with no direct support for my scanner. The grief of installing and attempting to test it with no real hope of success in the searing heat of a humid, in the extreme, UK summer was not appealing. Now that that doesn't make me as idle as it sounds. Given I'd needed to install an 8 metre USB cable to get the thing working at all on the old MacBook Pro, and hence it would have involved crawling under the desk in this heat too. Not happening. But then, so fast forward probably about two weeks, my carefully crafted solution on that antique MacBook Pro crashed and burnt. I'd had DevonThink 2 Pro Office installed. I didn't bother updating that to version 3 on the MacBook Pro. The sync between the two versions, 2 and 3, was fine. Until the version 2 install on the MacBook Pro asked for a license key after six years. Now, obviously, I'd entered all those details back when it was originally installed. Why was it asking again now? I have no idea. But I entered my details. So it was the registered name and the serial number. The OK button was dimmed out and it stubbornly refused to allow me to continue. There was one other option. Your account. What account? Never fear, there was a handily placed help button that should have provided elucidation. Instead, it rudely displayed, the selected topic is currently unavailable. Fabulous. So, only option, 
click the your account button then. Took me out to the Devon Technologies website. Clearly a DevonThink account then. I wasn't aware I had one. One password concurred. I don't. Why do I retrospectively need to create an account with Devon Technologies to use a piece of software I originally bought back in February 2010? Closer inspection of the link accessed via that Your Account button involves Paddle. Oh, that'll explain it then. Paddle drive me mad with their activation stuff. Many devs use them for payment processing services, and I do understand it's a lot easier for the devs to do that. But my experiences with Paddle have been nothing other than complicated. Their activation system is a nightmare when it goes wrong. I've long since reached the point of thinking more than twice if Paddle are the payment processing service at the point of checkout. Many times there's no alternative, but I took the injection of Paddle into the mix as a sign that trying the newly released version 7 of the ScanSnap driver would be at least worth a punt. I mean, how bad could it be? There you go again. Tempting fate. I read the press release. It wasn't looking good. My scanner wasn't listed. I picked the download for the oldest model that was supported. From memory, you know, I'm sure Jane had the version after mine. Maybe she can tell us. So I downloaded that. I, inst I started the install. By some miracle, it recognised my scanner. How do I know that? The installer proudly proclaimed it had found it and finally reported it was ready to use, even referring to it by name, S510M, if you recall. Now, not one to fall for another dead end, I gingerly placed a few pages in the document feed. Saying a silent prayer, fingers firmly crossed, eyes closed, I pressed the scan button. I half opened an eye to witness what my ears were greeted with, the sound of my scanner, actually scanning pages. It needed a little configuration, but after five years, my scanner is working again on my main iMac. There's a few strange decisions with the new driver in terms of the interface is very plain. That The previous one, all the pretty icons, yep, gone, gone. But it works. So if you've hung on to your old Fujitsu scanner, give this driver a go. It might surprise you. It supports scanners on Catalina, Mojave, High Sierra and Sierra. That means even the oldest machine in the house could run it. Ooh. Can you sense my excitement somewhat, Mike? I can. I'm rather I'm rather overexcited for a lady of my age, as it were. Mm. Now, I do still have issues with Fujitsu, though, and their attitude for the last five years. There is now and never was anything wrong with the scanner. Apple made changes to the OS, which, if you are unaware, Fujitsu, is software. And you took a conscious decision to refuse to fix your support for the scanner on Apple's new OS. Users knew it was possible. The computer that had been upgraded to LCAP and beyond was still working. The scanner was still working. It wasn't a technical constraint, a hard limit. It was a decision not to bother. It wasn't as if I was trying to make a venerable zip drive with a parallel port work on a USB-C enabled 2020 Mac, was it now? Although that would probably have been easier. My scanner, the S510M, does actually have a hard limit. It's Mac only. We had another Fujitsu scanner for, from our Windows days. 
it was Windows only. That was why we bought the S510M in the first place. We were transitioning away from Windows. We accepted those hard limits because hard limits on the functionality were there when we bought and paid for the first scanner. It was annoying. It would have been nice to keep both the Windows one and just transfer it to the Mac. And it would be it would have been just as nice to keep the S510M going and be able to stick it on a Windows box once the Mac couldn't support it. But hard limit. And we were not about to complain about something we knew when we purchased the scanner. And I don't expect support forever. But when it's possible to keep it working with just a new driver, choosing not to provide that driver is disgusting. Does it make financial sense to deliberately deprecate hardware? Well, supposing everybody buys a new device, it might, but users aren't stupid. When they know it's a choice on the part of a specific manufacturer, it doesn't exactly instill confidence in buying anything from that manufacturer. There is a trade-off between getting your job done, in my case, scanning, and your bank balance. Plus the fact they've done it once, there's no guarantee a new scanner will be supported beyond next week. And then there's no other option than landfill if the scanner doesn't work anymore. It's like Apple waving the eco-friendly green flag credentials and then making repairs virtually impossible. But worse in a way, as it's just a software update that could save you anywhere up to £600 in this case. If I could trust them to support their products for as long as they are able to physically work, in other words, provide software updates for them, I'd actually be more inclined to buy and upgrade because I could defray the cost of an upgrade by selling an existing model because it would still work. Folks would potentially find it more difficult to afford a new model without being able to sell their existing model. Hence, they'd be less able or less inclined to update at all. Their stance on that for the last five years will never be able to be explained to me. What do you think? Speechless. I've also got an S510M, which is sitting covered up with a cloth and has been for about five years underneath my desk. So now might be a good time to dust it off. Uh, maybe, or you could leave it where it is. And when mine breaks, I can, I can use yours. Well, that's another option. Yeah, I'll do that. We'll find a use for it. We're never stuck to find a use for tech, I find. Anyway, another Friday, another Mac Bytes After Hours. Oh, I'm excited about this one. It's the first DevonThink Build With Me session. I'm building an asset management system. You might be wondering why I'm doing that in DevonThink. I've had many asset management solutions and so many sad demises. Apparently, it's not a type of application. The functionality is not something that people are willing to pay for. So the developers bring out something that's amazing, but then they stop developing them. My current asset management system has had no meaningful updates for as long as I can remember. You know, when you look at an app in the app store and you think, hmm, you look back. In fact, do you ever actually do that, Mike? You can look back through all of the updates. No. And like the last 10 updates say bug fixes, bug fixes, bug fixes. I've noticed that. And even the last, the last bug fix was over 10 months ago. So it could well be that the end is in sight and it might just not be there one day. You know, Apple might get upset with them or something. Yes, it was from the App Store. So the only answer, roll your own. 
So I'll be taking you through the build from empty database to fully functional system. And I'll be deep diving slicers in Excel. Although slicers have been covered in a past after hours, there's a lot more to slicers than meets the eye. And doubtless loads more. Do you know one thing that um, Kim asked for? And it's not something that I would particularly, it wouldn't have sprung to my mind. She asked about how difficult it is to set up a second monitor on a Mac. Now, it's not difficult at all, is it? But it took me back to when I very first added a second monitor to, to the first Mac I had. It was the 20 inch and I added a 17 inch monitor that I had kicking around. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, how is it going to work? You know, what was going to be needed beyond the cable? So actually, it's a really good piece to think about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then, because I take care of yours, they just work, don't they, Mike? Mm. But if you had to set them up, would you actually have a clue? Mm. Cables and adapters, dongles, dongle city. Mm. And then there's actually a couple of applications that make managing multiple monitors a breeze. I went for very inexpensive monitors. I don't like spending money on monitors, do I, Mike? No. I know you can get fantastic things like that Apple one. You know, the one with the with the £5,000 cloth. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're paying for that much for the cloth. The new monitor, Mike? Yeah. Oh, right. I thought he'd nodded off then. I do, know, I do know what you're talking about. Oh, that makes a change. Anyway. I was going to try and make a suitable retort about the cloth, but I couldn't think of one. Hmm. <laughs> you know when you think of idioms about words? Yes. Cloth. I'm pretty sure if you looked up cloth and idiom, you'd find loincloth. But I'm moving swiftly along and leaving it right there. No, I don't like spending a lot of money on monitors. But with a couple of these applications, I've managed to get a resolution out of my two extra monitors that they don't officially support, all for the price of a tiny app to do it. So um, I'm going to put that in on Friday as well, Mike. So that's a little extra that's going in after hours. And as if weekly episodes of Matt Bites After Hours isn't enough. We're going live every day during lockdown. We're now in week 23 and over 150 shows in. Marooned at MacBytes headquarters. It's an audio show on MacBytes FM every day at 7pm UK time. We have an absolute ball talking with you all. Do join us for some daily laughter in the midst of these very strange times. And that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So send us your questions, your comments and your queries by email to thecrew at macbytes.co.uk or use the contact form on the website. We also have a very active Slack chat room that's open 24-7. Just go to macbytes.co.uk slash Slack and join the conversation. And you can follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash MacBytesiri. So until the next time, this is me, Mike and Elaine, bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Bye and see you next time. Can't you get closer? Closer to what? Me, of course. Are you serious? Very. What for? Look, stop asking questions, woman. Just get closer to me. This is as close as I get, and don't get any ideas. It'll do. Now pass me the duct tape. Duct tape? Yes, duct tape. What do you want that for? Will you stop prevaricating, woman, and just pass it to me?
We can't lose any time here. Here you go. Siri, what do you think you're doing? Duct taping us together for a dual screen experience, before she sneaks off and buys a duo. Unhand me now you fool. It's too late now. Just the two of us.